The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hello and welcome to the Port Adelaide Review Podcast for the game where Port Adelaide just completely annihilated the Gold Coast Suns in Shanghai. Uh, I'm Portia, and joining me right now is Rick, who's going to berate me about Brendan Archie for an hour. Rick, how are you? Happy, happy Tuesday, Portia. Portia. Thanks for uh, joining us. <laughs> yeah, what Rick's referring to there is the fact that I forgot I was doing the show tonight, and I was already settled in with a nice cup of tea to listen to Rick and Macca. Now I have to talk, so here we go. Yes. This will be fun. <laughs> uh, even though you have, you have disappointed Dylan, because... Uh, our mate Dylan was looking forward to the crazy Rick solo hour. Um, who knows what you would have been listening to if uh, if that eventuated? Uh, uh, who knows? Pile of rubbish, that's for sure. <laughs> it would have been. It just would have been an hour of Brendan Archie gushing. Oh, the yeah. arch. Sorry, I'm just moving my chair. <laughs> really there quietly too. Thanks. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's better. I mean, I guess we should really get to the top topic. Um, have you heard from Macca, or is he just still completely too drunk to use his phone? No, I saw a really drunk picture of him with a, a very charming-looking Japan, uh, Japanese Chinese guy, yeah. and uh, that, that's pretty much all I've seen post-game. So he's probably yeah. drunk drunk on the side of the road somewhere, and uh, he put in the token, I'm missing my family and I'm looking forward to get back to them, but we all know that's probably not true. Yeah, that's like taking it one game at a time, isn't it? That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, and so look, we'll go straight into the love and hates. Uh, Rick, what was your love? Or do we, let's do hates first because there won't be many. What was your hate this week, Rick? My hate. Mm. My hate. Yeah, good question. There wasn't really much to hate, so um, I did have a quirky one, but I've forgotten okay. what that was. So uh, I'm going to go with Travis Bokes kicking. Is my yes. hate this week because he he had he would have had one of his best games if he used the ball a little bit better and uh, I mean the calls from certain supporters saying to drop him I think's a little bit extreme but he di- he just did undid all his hard gut running work which he really stepped up in that second half and um, his delivery was uh, I was really underwhelmed what about yourself what do you think. Oh, look, I've got a really easy hate, which ties into what we talked about last week, which is that we want to live in the reality where Port beat West Coast and we played off the top spot in Shanghai and won. Um, Melbourne did their bit. Melbourne beat the Bloody Crows and we would have been top if we'd beaten West Coast. But instead, we're fourth. That's okay. okay. How irritating is that? Like this weird confluence of things conspiring so that if we had just put our figure out that one game, we would have been top of the ladder. But there you go. It's 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 only round nine or whatever it is. We, We don't want to be top. Just yet, and I don't think the players are ready to be in top spot just yet. But um, um, so I think it would have maybe drawn too much attention to us too early. Let the uh, let all the other clubs still uh, underappreciate what we're doing here, even though we're the second best offense, best defense, uh, and we're really formulating something. Um, but let's go under the radar. But I was asking, what did you think of the captain's disposal? Did, do you agree that it was a bit underwhelming, or you were okay with it? Look, I mean, I, I'm kind of... There was a time years and years ago when we talked about Trevor Spoke maybe being a decent finisher, but that was a long time ago. And a lot of football's been played since then, and he's just not. He's just not. Um, 
Yeah. Do you think it's injury related? No, I don't. I just think he's changed the focus of his game because we didn't have proper inside midfielders for years and ideally what he needs to do is, you know, spend half a season really working on his delivery and his um all the, all the outside game again because he's just been turned into an inside beast pretty much and he's trying to get that uh, way of playing back, it feels like. Um, mm. Because now what we've done is we've done what we thought what we needed to do four years ago when he was kind of outside-ish in my view. Um, we finally got the inside mids and they're all, more importantly, the ones that we've got are playing well and in form. Um, and now he's just not that finisher that we need. Mm. Yes. No, and, it, and it's, like I said, that was really disappointing because I thought he had a, his work rate was awesome and he was really linking oh, yeah. up and, yeah. and getting the ball. He just couldn't hit a target to save his life. But uh, hopefully it's a bit of an anomaly and uh, he picks up the uh, the pace a little bit more um, in 10 days' time when we play the Mighty Cats. Well, I mean, I, I guess the other anomaly, if you're looking through the stats, is the fact that Travis Boat finished with one clearance for the game, which is, that's for a midfielder, that's like an actual pure mid, that's really low. Um, you know, Carl mm. one had four. <laughs> <laughs> the hardness of Mr. Carl. Yeah, yeah, I thought he played pretty well. I think he showed why we shouldn't have dropped in the week before, but... Um, you know, he did a few things that didn't quite come off, but then some of the things he did were really constructive and helped us really put pressure on. So, um, yeah, I was a bit of a fan there. But um, but, but not as influential as uh, the Arch with his three goals and, he, and his high flying hanger. And I know, I know you're going to try and I know you're going to try and pick on Brendan because he uh, he didn't I don't get need he only to had pick th- on Brendan. he had 13 disposals, but he was really starved of opportunities. Let's face it, he was. He was cast aside in the uh, in the forward fifty. He he didn't even get a shot at the midfield rotations, and I thought there was a massive opportunity when uh, Power Pepper was starting to fatigue to maybe swap the both around. And if you have a look at it, he um, he uh, he got he outperformed Robbie Gray. Well, you see, this is the important thing where you need to look at first half and second half. So the first half was when the game could vaguely be won by Gold Coast. Very vaguely, but vaguely. And then the <laughs> second half, when Brendan Archie kicked his three goals, um, they were, they, they'd given up. I mean, we, the, other ga- the other thrashings we played against Fremantle and Carlton and Brisbane, really, we've at least seen them in that third quarter and that fourth quarter really keep continuing to try and put up a fight. But that third quarter, Gold Coast were just nothing... They weren't. They weren't there. They were. We were a knife through water with them. They were, they, uh, so I, I, this particular game, the second half, I found the, probably the least enjoyable of the ones. The ones where we've beaten a team by a lot. Um, I just didn't think they. I think they they dropped their heads. And that's understandable, given given where they're coming from as a team. You know, they're used to that. They've got that cultural cringe that they've got to get over. So. It'll be interesting to hear Macca's view on the conditions because I guess we probably wasted it. I mean, I was really, really grateful and happy with the, the scoreline. I mean, 35 oh, yeah. points against is amazing, but we did seem to uh, squander a lot of opportunities in that second half and it could have been even a more impressive win. Um, but I'm just wondering if the, the fatigue like heat over there was really starting to get to the players and, you know, even the great... Game from Tom Jonas. I mean, look, I'm just picking one thing. I think it was in that third, kicking to the right. He did a really sloppy handball in that third quarter. I think it was, um, yeah. And it just looked really like a really tired handball. So I'm just wondering if the conditions were getting to the guys, um, yeah, in that second half, and that's maybe why the execution was going down for both sides. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I kind of feel that, uh, and I'm going to sound a little bit like Choco here, but I kind of feel like when you're up by that much at three quarter time. 
I don't mind too much if you try some things out. I, but I don't think we really tried anything exceptional out in that last quarter. But it kind of feels like we're at the point where we're doing it reliably enough that maybe we can. Maybe we can yeah. see how, how Homsch goes if he has to play forward and things like that. Um, yeah, know, that's right. An and, and exactly. And that's why it would have been nice to have maybe seen Arch even just get five minutes and, you know, and all jokes aside, just, you know, just to give, and even yeah. a- Amon, just, you know, let's, let's test them out at the centre square and, uh, or even maybe at Darcy Byrne Jones and, and just see, uh, you know, can, you know, is there potential for Darcy that, that's got that hard uh, grunt in him, you know, to maybe do a bit of pinch hitting in there. But, um, but yeah, I guess we didn't want to be creative and uh, we just uh, kept the foot on the pedal and uh, we just kept going. Well, I mean, I guess the problem, the problem with that kind of experimentation is it sends a mixed signal from the coach's box where we've already this year criticised our players for being a bit larish. And if mm. the coaches start being larish, then how do you tell the players not to be? Um, so, I don't know. I can see um, that being a conflict. Now, just quickly on the speaker chat, we've got uh, Pommy Power, who has also indicated Bokes kicking as his hate. Uh, we've had Ryan Pillar say, how good was Arch? And Christoph reckons Arch, 50 games easy. Well, I'll take yes. Bokes to tea from all of you. No, just kidding. Um, I've got to diversify my risks here. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I guess we haven't really talked about the love yet. We've talked about the hate and sort of diverted. But Rick, what was your love this week? What did you think was the best thing that happened this week? The best thing... Well, I'm going to ignore the whole China um, extravaganza, extravaganza because, I mean, that's been spoken about to ad nauseum and it's a great thing and and the vision of Kosh and all that sort of stuff. I mean, everyone deserves a massive slap on the back. Um, I'm going to go... My love is going to be two players, which I do kick on all the time, mm-hmm. uh, in Matthew Broadbent, and Justin Westhoff, because I thought both of those players in the first quarter especially uh, were high up there in setting the tone for pressure and intensity, um, and I was really impressed, to be honest. And I know, uh, what's the saying? One swallow doesn't make a summer or something like that? But um, That's a good saying, but it's an Indian one, I think. Yeah, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Who knows? We know that I get shit wrong all the time. It's just the fact that both of those guys, I land blast them. So credit where credit's due. I thought their intensity and pressure really set the stage for the game. And uh, it was an amazing effort by both of those guys. And, yeah, we didn't see them in the second half, but we didn't need to. They laid the foundation in the first half. Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, for me, I, I guess my love, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on the ground that you didn't. I'm going to point out that I really did like the um, the fact that we met the China game that we managed to do this. We went over there, we completely smashed the the China colours side, which I do note. If you if you saw the pregame with that Gold Coast wanker that was just talking about, you know, oh the red and gold Guernsey is as important to us as the the um, black and white is to Collingwood, and uh, that was annoying. But we just stuck it right off all of them. Mm. <laughs> you know, there wasn't even a brave showing. It was just like nah. Here you go, China. You're going to barrack for 40. You're going to go for these red and yellow goons. Yeah. <laughs> so that was very enjoyable. I, I did like that aspect. The imposter. Well, I guess it's it's quite interesting. Um, you know, I heard Kosha on the Sniffet on the News segment tonight saying, you know, he wants to take it outside of South Australia and make it Australia event. And, you know, and so we've been petitioned by um, other state governments to get on board and, and chuck money at us and, and open up clubs. I, I just, I just want him to be a little bit careful. I mean, we don't want to be too arrogant to the point where, you know, we know what happened in North Melbourne with Friday night football. 
um, you know, they were the pioneers and then it became popular and then uh, it was like, see you later, North Melbourne. Um, you know, it's, it's something we've got to be very smart and strategic here in making sure that uh, we have all the agreements in place to make sure that we continue to do it because I think there is massive upside to a massive market. It'll be interesting to find out what the TV rating uh, ratings were viewer-wise for, for that game in China. Yeah, like um, one of the things for me is that, I mean, you know that Gold Coast is going to be a club that's going to say we want to be the opponent every time. I don't think that's in our best interest. I think we should, if, if we do do a long-term arrangement with clubs, it should be like alternating years. So we'll play Gold Coast in odd-numbered odd years and another team in the evens or a mix of other teams in the evens. Mm. Um, just so that we solidify the Port Adelaide. You know, if you want to watch a game every year and barrack for your team, barrack for Port Adelaide, um, that'll help if we can organise something like that. I'm sure mm. that, you know... I think that kind of helped with the like the Tasmanian support for another reference um, when Hawthorne were playing more than a game there or more than two games, so that you would and it wasn't always just against Port Adelaide because um, mm-hmm. there was that time really early on when you could have almost been a Port Adelaide fan with the Tasmanian games, but they, they changed that up and um, you know just that extra little commitment to, and little more diversity in opponents made it so that it became very much more a Hawthorne thing, and I think we can do similarly with China ideally. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you could you could see, I mean, GWS fitting over there, and uh, obviously some of those lesser uh, Victorian teams. It'd be interesting if the bigger teams, which do draw larger crowds uh, in Melbourne, even when they play Port, uh, you know, like so Collingwood will get thirty five, forty thousand. Um, would they be willing to sacrifice that for the exposure of potentially going to China? It'd be, I, I, I guess I would if I was Eddie McGuire, but I wonder if they have the courage to do so. I think they would, but I think that would be... Okay, let me give you another little bit of AFL history here. Um, If you recall back in the day, I think that it used to be that Melbourne versus Richmond was the, you know, uh, parentheses, traditional opening round Mm -hmm. matchup, And then somehow Melbourne got ousted and then it went to Richmond versus Carlton. And then I think Richmond got ousted because they brought in a bigger club or it worked something along those lines. I can't remember the exact details, but I remember that the opening team sort of got shafted because they accidentally brought in the big boys and they took it. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what we've got to watch out for. So even if Collingwood say, yeah, we'll do it, then as soon as they do, you know, it's just going to become a Collingwood event and they're just going to steal it and that'll be it. Yeah. So, no, nah, the Kangaroos can do it if they want. That's cool. Although I get their Tasmania commitment probably knocks them out of that. Um, if Melbourne's ongoing Northern Territory experiment fails as miserably as it seems to be doing, maybe they'll be interested. Who knows? I guess, uh, I, I guess it just comes down to the fact, I think Port Adelaide has done it very well. I mean... I see it with businesses wow. too. Um, you know, it's, oh, we'll just go to China and make a crap load of money. Um, you know, Port Adelaide's, you know, they had a dedicated, an expert that set the foundation and it's worked solidly for, you know, three to four years to get this up and running. And China isn't as easy as just going, okay, let's just go to China and make a crap load of money because there's people there. You still need to understand the idiosyncrasies, they you know, how they do business, it's different to Australia and, uh, yeah, Port's been smart and strategic and uh, as long as we continue to be strategic and take into account that these uh, these threats are going to happen like like everything else in the AFL because, you know, they're, they're all fighting for that limited dollar uh, and greed always uh, comes into it We uh, and as long as we can remember that and, and be strategic with our plays, uh, I think there's a great opportunity to make this a... Uh, a very strong annual event where we can really benefit from the uh, increased sponsorship, which will set us up for long-term security. 
Yeah, and look, I mean, I think that's probably an area where we need to give a bit of a hand clap to um, Port and the AFL and all the teams um, working on making this uh, a thing that happens because we only had less than a month ago a really a fantastic and schadenfreude example of what happens when someone says we're going to hold an event in another country and everything goes wrong. And um, I know Dylan's in the speaker chat. He'll know about Fire Festival. Do you know anything about the Fire Festival sh- uh, shamozzle that went on a few weeks ago, Rick? I know lots about it. Okay, no, so no, okay. Fire Festival basically um, was ba- uh, basically a, uh, what do you call it, a digital economy sort of bullshit festival that was going on in the Bahamas. Uh, it was promoted by Instagram models and Ja Rule of all people and a whole bunch of others. Uh, and it just, they didn't have the infrastructure there. They didn't have the bands they started pulling out. And basically people paying for a luxurious exclusive uh, concert going event on a private island in the Bahamas and they basically got fed, you know, cheese sandwiches in styrofoam uh, packaging and they were living in disaster tents and all sorts of wonderful things like that. Um, and that's a, that's the classic example of what can happen if you take the other country for granted and you just think you're just going to do things the same way you always have. Um, no doubt, obviously, with the, um, the money being thrown around behind getting this right, it was going to help a lot. Um, but this could have been so. This could have been so bad. Like we could be hearing right now about awful sort of stories about the the game. But I mean, we haven't heard anything. We haven't heard anything nasty about the game at all, have we? So. Uh... Oh, there was something pretty horrendous. I saw someone oh, really? in the in the yeah. I saw someone in the crowd drinking a bottle of VB. <laughs> hey, I mean, mind. don't don't knock VB. VB is good in the hot. That's it's. Uh, come on. If it's, it's over thirty five degrees, VB is fine. There's another random chat question. What is the worst beer to drink? And VB has to be right up there with one of them. My, my, my more precise question is, what is the worst beer to drink that is actually okay to drink when it's over 35 degrees? I think it's VB. Could, I think it's got to be VB. Melbourne Bitter. Yeah, yeah, that would go up there. I reckon that would be right up there. Yeah, um, I, I, have a, I have a childhood... Uh, association with that though because uh, mm-hmm. I I had to work in Broken Hill when I was uh, about 15 years of age uh, filled in for my brother or helped fill in for a worker in uh, with my brother-in-law at the time and it was like 40 degrees and I had to help the old neighbour across the road in, in Broken Hill and mow his lawns and the, the payoff was uh, I got a Melbourne bitter and I tell you what I drank that beer as fast as any beer and it tasted as good as any drink whatsoever and now I've got yep. an association yep. with Melbourne bitter and hot weather tasting great there you go look I'm, I'm not against that that certainly sounds like a good combination um just had a couple <laughs> of comments through in the speaker chat Dylan said he reckons he was at fire festival which yeah yeah come on he couldn't have like the, I think the cheapest ticket was over two thousand dollars you can't afford that Dylan shut up um, yeah, Dylan would be there, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, Bomber Clifford reckons Fire Festival stuff was awesome, which I think says a bit about the tone of Port Adelaide fans on this issue. Um, uh, yeah, and Dylan's also said that VB's great. Corona with lime is the worst drinkable beer, only made okay by the lime. I, I kind of agree. I like Corona in a hot weather. Um, no. It's, it's, but it's, a... it's too expensive to count as, as it, like, for me, like a, a shitty beer for hot weather should also be cheap. And I don't think Corona's quite as cheap as like a can of EB. So. What uh, a hidden and underrated hot weather beer is mm. Forex Summer. Oh, I haven't had that one. 
Yeah, it's a low it's a low carb beer, but four X summer, and we're we're sort of we're sort of dipping our toe into Phil Swanson's parade here from the eighteen seventy hour. So he he might be taking umbrage with us uh, going into this sort of topic, but four X summer on a hot day is pretty good too. All right, well, look, just to avoid any um, conflict of interest, we'll just quickly move on to our exclusive <laughs> field, which is talking about the actual game. Um, yes. <laughs> Uh, we've already mentioned a couple of the highlights. Uh, just to quickly recap, we had this one in the bag by half-time. Um, we kicked four goals, four to one goal one in the, at the first quarter, 21-point lead. 65 to 23 by half-time. That's a pure seven-goal lead. Uh, and then, you know, carrying on from there, we went out to 88 and then out 110. Like, we literally won by 12 goals. They kicked four goals, 14-38. We kicked 16-14-110 for a 72-point win absolutely obscene that margin not because not the margin so much but as the percentage like we almost tripled their score and that's not the first time we've done that to a team this year really phenomenal uh, our setup um there are a few good players so i think we've mentioned a few already um i think that we haven't actually mentioned the guy that won the medal brad ebert uh he's look his form this year has been absolutely outstanding what do you reckon rick i mean he, he's an outstanding player but what's interesting for me is i find him very unassuming Mm-hmm. So, like when you when you think about the best players, uh, my initial thought wasn't Brad Ebert. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was probably to go for you know Chad Wingard. But I mean, I guess because Brad's always putting his body on the line, he's doing that hard stuff. He's still playing the accountable football, but he's racking up the disposals, um, playing that link player if he needs to be, also do, being the distributor if he needs to be. He's a very all round player, and he's really improved his disposal from. You know, which was a little bit average at times last year and, and in previous seasons. And, yeah, he's been a fantastic player and he needs to have more children by the looks of it. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess I'm just sort of wondering, like, is he our Matt Prittis? Because, you know, before he was right up there, everyone's like, oh, yeah, Matt Prittis, he's just a good workhorse. And then he started playing really, really well. It just feels like Brad Evers in that same category of a guy that, I mean, I think opposition's just always considered that he was a good hard worker, but he's just added so much more to his game in all the, all the 1% things that have improved about it. Um, you know, mm. he, he's just right up there. He's up there with inside 50s, got six clangers. Oh, sorry, clearances six. He had a few clangers, but that's okay. And 31 disposals, you know, um, that's pretty, that's solid. That's a really solid game. And that's not the first time this year he's put up numbers like that. So, um, no, it's really fantastic. He might be a sneaky Brownlow chance, or at least more importantly, a sneaky topping port in the Brownlow chance. It's um, the, the other thing that he's really good at that you didn't mention that we probably didn't see on the weekend mm. is his, he's got very yeah. solid overhead marking. Well, when he's playing that much in the midfield, the overhead mark isn't really needed so much, and that's kind of a good thing. Mm. <laughs> but when um, he needs to, he's got the courage to go back with the flight of the ball or come into the side, yeah. and he's got strong hands overhead. So, um, yeah, he's, he's becoming a complete footballer. And I guess that's good transition for our midfield because... Obviously, Robbie Gray's probably uh, almost gone, and Travis Boak's probably almost gone as you know regular or main midfield players, and you know so Chad Wingard's now coming up into it, and I'm sure you're going to mention him in a second anyway. Um, but you know Brad Ebert still got at least a three, two, three years in the midfield rotation, you would think. So it, it we're starting to see now a little bit of a healthy rotation through that midfield mix. Yeah, look, absolutely, and yeah, we can talk about when Chad Wingard now he had another consistent game. Um, I don't know, like I find it really easy to, <laughs> Chad, it's, it's hard to say this, but I find it easy to forget Chad Wingard when he's playing in the midfield because he doesn't get on the scoreboard as much. 
but like you know, twenty eight touches, uh, what seven inside fifties. He, he's and he just was everywhere that he needed to be in the game. Um, he just mm. a really fantastic one, um, and not a lot of marking, mostly just getting loose ball and you know pouncing on it, which is really what we needed against this opposition as well, because that's where they like to play. Um, and maybe that was partially dictated by that. Um, they love the loose ball. They love sort of running in chains and you know having Chad Wingard in there ready to scoop up any errors. Uh, oof, oof. Wouldn't want to be that opposition. Absolutely. I guess the highlight for the team overall was the defensive pressure all over the ground. Um, It was lacking against West Coast for whatever reason, um, which is, as you pointed out, it's really frustrating because we'd be sitting on top of the ladder. But, I mean, it was, you know, it was bipolar. And I I wouldn't even say it was because of the, uh, the difference in the quality of opposition because... Really, the West Coast game was a pretty soft sort of bruise-free game in a way. We just, but we just sort of didn't have that same intensity. And I don't think it's because West Coast were a better team. It just wasn't there. But you know, we were up. It was almost like shit. We got taught a lesson here about being a little bit off. And uh, you know, they just started highly intense against uh, Gold Coast. Didn't let them link up at all any time, and just you know, kept running the players down, kept working hard. And it didn't matter if it was the last quarter. Uh, you know, we spoke about Charlie Dixon and his defensive efforts. He kept it up again this week. And, uh, you know, every player is putting in. And, Portia, you probably know better than me, our our defensive zoning and structure is fantastic at the moment. Uh, look, um, I was actually going to talk about that um, by talking about the opposition and the main difference between this opposition and last week's one, which is that this opposition, like this, at Gold Coast, there's no, there's no equivalent to a Josh Kennedy in their forward line. There's certainly no uh, equivalent to McGovern in their back line. Um, and they're, just, I mean, they're all midfield. This is Gold Coast. If they're not winning it in midfield, they just get pasted uh, because they don't have anything in other parts of the ground. They used to have Charlie Dixon, ha-ha, but they don't now. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Lynch is a good forward. Oh, he's not. He's not. No? No, he's ordinary. He's all right. But the only mm. reason he gets the stats he does is, is I mean, that's on the back of a, a usually prolific midfield. <laughs> Um, but they just don't turn it into much. Um, they're a really shallow side, and it's really... Anyone that was involved with the creation of their team list should probably be given the arse immediately um, because they've, they've kind of stuffed it, really. Let's be honest. Mm. They've stuffed it. They've blown it. It's gone. They went for an outside pacey unit when everyone else is still making big body teams, and eh, they're, they're well behind it now. But what about our... Um, all right, so Gold Coast are a little bit inferior, but... Um, you've got to, you, we've got to admit that our defensive pressure, our defensive structure this year is a whole lot better. We've been right in. We probably were in the goal, the GWS game when we shouldn't have been. Uh, we, you know, I don't know how we still lost to West Coast, but we did, and we were right in the Adelaide game. And, and I think just a, I think the reason we probably lost those three games is because we're still adjusting to. Um, the new structures, but as you can see, against the bottom teams, we're, we're really getting it together and we understand it. And I don't think it's far away before we click against some top eight sides and we start implementing it. Now, I'm not saying we're going to pump them by 80 points, but I think it won't be far away before we're actually, instead of having those close losses, that we, we're getting some victories. And do you feel the same? Uh, no. Um, I, I think there's some pretty big differences between the teams we've lost to and the teams that we've beaten. Um, the teams we've lost to, I think that they've pretty much universally had big forwards that we've struggled to contain. Um, it comes down to the criticism of, you know, can you play 
Homsch and Clurie and um, Jonas as your key-ish backmen when they've got monsters. Uh, mm. Like, that's there's no coincidence. Like, those are the teams that we're losing to of all the teams that we're coming up against. Um, you know, like, Brisbane, you could say they have, have a couple of tall players, but, like, their best player was Hipwood. And he's not a strength guy. He's just a running guy. And if he's not running, he's not quite as good. But all the guys have got a big unit that can just take a good solid mark. We... We nullified Josh Kennedy, though. I mean, oh, it was just, but we didn't. We just lost our, we just lost our defensive shape at times. So we we're just able to transition the ball a little bit quicker than what we expected, and didn't get the zone in place. But yeah, I mean, what did Kennedy? I think Kennedy only kicked two or three goals for the game against us. We were able to restrict him. Yeah, it was just. But that's, so, we weren't able to restrict his presence. But importantly, what I'm saying here is that the team defence is working great, but the fact is that every coach out there will be doing what they can to disrupt it. And when you disrupt the team defence and it comes down to the one, inevitable one-on-one, then we're always going to be, what, three inches shorter almost. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, you're that's talking, a concern. You're talking big superstar players that one-on-one are going to beat most defenders. Top four sides have got big superstar players. That's right. And so we need, we need to play better defensively. You can't, you, so, can't, you can't become taller by playing better. Um, it's just a reality. Like, your fail-safe against a big unit that's a good strong mark has to be a big unit who's good at spoiling or good at taking a good, a good strong mark. Like, they just have to be. There might only be one opponent with that exact skill set in a side, but if they're there and we don't have a matchup for them, then the opposition's just going to work hard to make that a point we get exposed on. Uh, and we have been yeah. so far this year. That's the thing. Like when we've gone up against the good sides that have got that our weakness, our, our defensive weakness in their side, they've punished us with it. Um, uh, I don't know. Like that, that's for me. That's the biggest issue. And unfortunately, that's not one that I think can be solved by you know jiggling a couple of players around on the field. It's going to come through list management. Um, if a guy like Dougal Howard can come in and play defence, and I think that's probably why he's been playing a bit of defence at the Magpies, he's got the genuine height at least to be able to contest without doing a Tom Clurry or a Tom Jonas and just giving away free kicks all the time for interference. Well, um, if that's the case, why not just play Jackson Trengove? Well, I still like him as a backman, but who goes up forward? Who relieves in ruck? You know, we, if we're going to do that, if we're going to throw Jackson Trengove back... And admittedly, let's face it, he's still only 196 and we're talking about some of these key forwards that are like two cent, two metres. Um, you know, who goes forward then? And then we case we need to play Frampton. So it's like, you got in my view, we've got to play one of Frampton or Howard with a view to being a final side this year. We've got to find a way to get him in. Um, mm. So that's, that's me. That's a tough call. That's, that's my view. Yes, it's been a tough call, but it's been a few weeks now we could have given it a go. Uh, a few weeks we've won by 80 points or just about and we could have given it a go and given some game time. We haven't. We're kind, of burning, wonder, we're kind of burning these development games, really, in my view. But there you go. I was just about to say, I wonder, you know, if we beat Geelong this week, if if there might be a strategic um, development selection coming up in the not too distant future. But I guess maybe they want just to get continuity and form with uh, Jonas, Clurie, and uh, Homsch, and they believe that. But, but they're already experienced guys, players. Like, or maybe they believe that those guys can do the job. Maybe they have confidence in the system. Oh, great. Well, I guess I guess the test will be how we go against Geelong with Hawkins. No, not really. I just I just pray it's ten years, Porsche. Yeah. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but can we just please beat those blue and white bastards at Skilled Stadium? Please. I'm sick of losing to them. 
and I just want to kill them. I just want to have a I want to have a massacre on the football field. I'm just I really hate Geelong. I'm over it. Right now, I'm okay with us losing to to, to Geelong. Not okay with it, but like I will accept it if it at least makes our coaching team consider why it's happened. Um, I, I, like I, I can I can take a, I can take a loss against a good side if the, if the, if we're going to go back and do something about it in how we play, but so often we don't. And that's frustrating. Maybe you need to write an open letter to the coaches. Why? <laughs> why not? They might they might listen to you. Oh, yeah, no, they won't. No. Hello, I'm Portia. I, I participate on this expert Portland radio show. Yeah. And, uh, Hello, I, would really... I have opinions. Will you read them and, and adopt them immediately? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, if I, if I had that power to use on anyone in the world, it probably wouldn't be the Port Adelaide coach. <laughs> no, come on, you wouldn't be writing to Malcolm Turnbull, would you? No, no. Well, maybe. <laughs> Well, anyway, I want to talk about no, Brendan No, I'd, I'd, I'd be writing pre- to Tanya Plibersek and tell her to stop pissing around and take Bill Shorten's job. That's what I'd be doing. There we are. All good. <laughs> yes, please, please get rid of him. <laughs> but I'd like to talk about the creativity of um, Brendan Archie's handball. He had a couple of amazing handballs. And uh, what I love about it with Brendan, and we've known this for quite a few times, that that is one thing he can do very well. He is one of the best executors of a handball in our team. And on the weekend, his goal assist, perfect handballs to a player running that was good. Into, the, into the ball, not behind the player, not low to the player. And, both, and those handballs were also under a fair bit of pressure. And I guess if, we, if we're just going to talk seriously about him for a little bit, um, yes, I did think he probably didn't get the output uh, with disposals. Uh, I, I agree with you there, but I did think we missed a an opportunity to maybe get him in the midfield that might have got him up a little bit more. And that's what I was sort of expecting. But he did look like, I think in the beginning, he was lacking that little bit of confidence that we've probably grown to know about Brennan, that he seems to be uh, lacking that real belief maybe that he deserves to be there. And you could see that he, he was just sort of, instead of maybe trying to have that kick at goal or take the opportunity, he was just trying to look to do the dish it off really quickly. But he did seem to settle with the pace coming out of the game a little bit. And But he, he's, I think he's showing a bit. And I think he's that so he's got that body shape of a player. If he can get his head right and be like I'm on as another one, I think they could make a real impact at AFL level. And I, I'm not convinced that my bet with you is going to come off and win. But I think he does have the ability to... Uh, to give it a shake if he just believes in himself. I think that's the important part. Look, for me, I mean, I'll just first of all say I'm not critical of his disposal count. He did play as a forward, and 13 disposals is what you'd expect for a second-tier forward. That's absolutely fine. Um, for me, my not my criticism even, the reason I can't take much out of this performance is that the, form, the good form he's had at AFL level has shown he's really good at flat-track bully play. He's really good at having a really great game against a side that's not all that good, and that's kind of what he's done again. He won't, for my, he won't to, no, no, he has. He won't, for, yeah. to my mind, prove himself until he can put in handballs like that and get his 13 touches and two or three goals in a, against a good opponent. When he can do that, well, then I'll, I'll reconsider. But at this point, I haven't seen anything that is different in the past. Hasn't, that hasn't hurt Justin Westhoff or Matthew Broadburn over the last 150 games. Yeah, well, you know my opinions of both of those, Rick, so why are you bringing them up? <laughs> Yeah, because it's the same opinion as mine. Right? I suppose we should okay. move on. I suppose we should move on. Justin Westhoff's goal—that is worthy of mentioning. Um, that was absolutely ridiculous. It's just a shame it didn't have a slightly better camera angle on it. But uh, but how yeah. were all three goals of the round this week? They're all from the same sort of. They're all the same pocket. 
and they were all fat, and they were all similar sort of styles. It was, yeah, they're yeah. all fat. except for uh, Justin uh, just decided to have an extra degree of difficulty in his, and uh, I'll just kick it off the ground and uh, bounce it through. I mean, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, gee, is that is is that potential? Do you think that's goal of the year material, or do you think it can be trumped with that? I kind of think it's not goal of the year material because first of all, it didn't happen at the MCG. Um, second of all, it didn't happen with a crowd going completely nuts, and most of all, most of all, it just wasn't a great camera angle for it. Mm. Yeah, that what you really want with those ones that sort of bounce through the goal. And if a if a bouncing one wins it, it'll be one where they had the behind the goal view, where you can sort of see it slowly trickle towards goal. Like mm. that, you need that to get the goal of your nomination because it is a TV award. So, yeah. you know, I'm still bitter that Daniel Motlop didn't win goal of the year. I don't for that one. It, up for it. Don't you remember that one he, he, where he did the. Uh, the reverse check side on the run, 55 metres out at the Gabba, and um, and he just and he just bananaed it around for a goal. It was an amazing goal, and I still thought that was goal of the year. I think that was in our infamous 2008 season uh, where we did nothing. Uh, but I'll stand to be correct if it wasn't. But uh, I I can't let that lack of goal of the year uh, go. It should have been. And uh, as my my peanut butter fiend spouse has come in to eat the remaining satay sauce that I made for dinner tonight that she said she wouldn't touch because it's too fattening. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but over, like I said earlier, I mean, Justin's game I thought was a great game, especially in the first half. He, he was intense and he, he showed a lot of intensity for the, in his defensive efforts as well as offensive. Did you, did you think so too? Uh, I think he played the standard of game he should be playing every week, yes. Yes. As, as a senior player it, with 83 consecutive games behind him, yes. Yeah, and <laughs> that's what I mean. If him and Broadbent stumped that up every week, I would not be complaining. Mm. Right? But the problem is we'll go to Geelong at Skills Stadium and I'm not convinced that those guys will p- perform like they like they should at that level. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I, uh, Broadbent, for me, he just... He's solid, I guess. When you look at the other defenders in our side, like you can you can pinpoint, like you can say, oh, Jasper Pittard's good at this, and Tom Jonas is good at playing tall and small, and you know, um, Honch is good at taking a steadying mark and keeping a clear head, and you know, all that sort of stuff. You can say, you know, Burn Jones is good at really being accountable and dogged. Um, you can talk about all of our defenders and say they're good at this one thing. And with Broadbent, I mean, he's just a generalist, and for me, like he always needs to be pulling out a little bit more because I'm not con- like he, I don't feel like he adds potentially as much as some other players on that side. He's a good contributor most of the time, but I just don't think he has that that something that makes you go, yeah, that's a valuable extra tool in our, in our defensive unit. He, he's just he's a, he's a guy that if his form does slip, like I think he might drop. But it's, it's he's doing all right for now, so he's fine. So do you want Dan Houston back in the side? <laughs> uh, I do, against Geelong, yeah, for sure. Yeah? Yeah. So who, who, makes, who makes way for Daniel? Oh God! Um, yeah, well, let's do the old traditional thing and look at possession counts. Um, yeah. Look, the problem here is that the guys that got low possession counts aren't going to get dropped. Like you know, we know, we already know that Jarman Impey's not going to get dropped. Uh, but I thought Jarman had a pretty good game. He did. He had a good off, uh, defensive forward uh, game. Yes. Um, Robbie Gray, he did all right. Uh, Jackson Trengove was a quiet one, but he's one of our few tools. He was their relief ruckman, so you can't drop him. Hamish Hartlett, only 13 touches. A little bit disappointing against a side that where there was plenty of opportunity for sweeping. Um, 
was his time on ground? That's really low, isn't it? Even for Hamish. Mm. 74%. Yeah, no, he had, he had time enough. You think he just wasn't working hard enough to get the ball? Uh, I mean, the, the possession the possession count for both sides was astronomical. I think both teams that's had like over Coast. 400. That's the, that's the Gold Coast yeah. thing. Yeah, if you look through the Gold Coast, they always have high possession. Um, they're just hugely inefficient with it. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that but, comes down but, again to poor forward line. So, But, I mean, it's going to be a tough call. I mean, like if, if, if Dan... I mean, really, ideally, you'd probably say Broadbent or Hartlett, one of those two would have to go out for Houston, wouldn't you, really? I mean, but it's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. But, um, but yeah. you know, but I mean, that's what you would be, you'd probably be looking at. I guess the other one is, uh, I was interested in the calls. Uh, people are starting to thump a little bit louder for Montpries to maybe come in for no. like a Sam, for a Sam Gray type. You, how, how do you, you know, Sam Gray, I've always been a little bit critical. Do you, did you think, uh, you, did you see an improvement in his game? Um, I think they're not playing the same role, so that's the main reason. As much mm. as people are critical of Sam Gray's output, um, it's not as though he's on the end of endless handball receives or easy kicks to him or anything like that. Uh, every mm. ball, almost every ball he gets, he's getting in my in my perception. Um, and so, if you're going to replace him with a guy that's a lead up forward, I mean, you're not going to get what you need. You're not going mm. to get what you need in your side. Um, it would be yes. if he's yeah. got to be replaced by a genuine mid. If he's, playing, he's playing out higher up the ground, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's playing real high up and he's he's been an important link. Like last week, everyone everyone's having a crack at Sam Gray. Like in the first half, he's one of the few guys that just said, nah, screw it, I'm going to make a goal out of this. And he got the goal. And he kicked three points after that, which was hugely frustrating. But he's standing up at times and his inconsistency is notable. But if you're going to replace him, you can't, well, for a start, you can't replace him with Monfries, who's a lead out forward and, and he's not going to fill that role. Like Sam Gray playing badly, he's still got 21 touches this week and a goal and a point. Um, you know, he's 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 still contributing. So you'd have to whoever you're replacing with, they're going to have to be someone that can put up the numbers. And Monfries is a long way out of form, in my view. So what what about the uh, the Robbie Gray talk? I'm a bit tired of it. Uh, if you get picked, you're fit. I mean, that's the general AFL principle that we've grown up with as Port supporters. Um, you know, do we just do, you know, does it matter? You know, do we do we stop talking about it and just accept that he's playing? Or you know, I know I'm getting tired of all the rumour and innuendo about it. Look, I think that uh, Robbie Gray, he is important to the coaches because he can play forward and he can go back in midfield if you need him to and all that stuff. And he's quite he's high quality when he can get free. Um, but. They've got us. They've got you know. We're in a position now where we should be thinking about finals a little bit. And if you're thinking about finals, you should be thinking how can we keep our best players in form throughout the season. Um, I think we can. I think right now with the depth on our list, we can probably live without Robbie Gray for a week if we need to, and that'll give him a few, you know, three weeks off at this point with the bye. Um, because we could replace him hypothetically. We could replace him with a Montfries for a week. I'd be all right with that. Um, or with yeah. Aiden Johnson, for example, um, to add a bit more pace uh, to maybe expose Geelong a bit. Um, you know, or even if Nathan Cracker's playing forward these days, maybe you'd give him a shot up forward to be an accountable forward um, and then, you know, let some of the other forwards uh, have a bit more chance at kicking goals. There's a lot of options available uh, in that position of the ground for a smallish forward. He is the best option, but if we're going to think finals and we're talking about a player who has had a lot of injury concerns in the past, I kind of feel like we could drop him at this point and it probably would be wise to. 
Yeah, I wouldn't mind, especially if it's going to be like a cold, really cold, windy Geelong sort of uh, game, which can happen, even though it's on a Thursday night football. Um, maybe there is a yeah potential to rest him and just uh, let him uh, sort of sit out and uh, and recuperate a little bit, whatever his injury is. I mean, they're, they're obviously continuing to say, oh, well, he's not injured, but... Um, uh, something's not right there, but uh, but yeah, who knows? Maybe they are just sort of resting him by resting him up forward and allowing Chad to sort of take his role. Um, I mean, could our midfield really have Chad Wingard and Robbie Gray in the midfield playing at the same time? Uh, it could. I don't think it'd be the best midfield we'd be playing that, but it certainly could for sure. Um, I, I, I like the fact we've got just pure extractors, and then we can afford to have a bit of class up forward. Um, yeah. I don't, like, for example, I don't think Wingard would be playing as well if he didn't have, you know, Ebert and Wines in that midfield alongside him. Sure. Um, he'd get too much attention. Um, so he needs those big grunts to sort of take the attention away from him. And I, think that, I think it's working out pretty well at the moment the way it is, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be messing with that, quite honestly. Do you think Power Pepper's starting fatigue a little bit? Do you think the 10-day the break will do him well? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it'll do him well. Um, I'm not saying drop him, because let's face it, he had 21 touches, what? Only a couple of clearances this time. He's, yeah. he's getting involved. He's still getting involved. And he's offering us a midfield option that we can't replace immediately. It's the same yeah. as it's going to be hard for us. As much as Mac is anti-Sangre right now, I don't think we've got an instant replacement for him on the list behind him. Um, That's right. Macca is anti-Sam Gray. That is right, Macca. You need to get over that grudge. <laughs> get over it, Macca. <laughs> okay. Here's, okay, just on Sam... Oh, sorry, on uh, Robbie Gray playing at Cardinia Park. Um, he has played five games there and kicked five goals. So he's only kicked a goal a game. His disposal average is 17. So it's not a good ground. It's not a happy hunting ground for Robbie Gray. So it could be a good opportunity to give him a bit of a rest. Depends on what his injury is. Well, that's true. And we have. And here's another thing. We have lost all five games that he's played at Cadini Park, which I guess is not uncommon, but yeah. Oh, let's drop, drop him. Get rid yeah. of him then. We should drop everyone that played against Geelong and lost. <laughs> So we're, we're replacing like three quarters of the side then. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we're going to be playing the Magpies team. Oh, dear. Oh. Just to mix it up. Now, so, just quickly, quickly yeah. back to the Spreaker chat forum. Um, Dylan said, what if Tom Lynch from Gold Coast Suns is superb? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, like, he gets goals, uh, but I just feel he's on the back on the end of a really good midfield and against a side that doesn't have a really good midfield, you know, he's going to get endless supply. I, I, I don't think I don't think much of him, but that's okay. We're all entitled to our opinions. Um, another one here is battle because I, I don't play either of these, so I don't I can't answer. I don't know if you can either, Rick. Battlefield or Call of Duty? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry to say that I haven't touched a Computer PlayStation, PlayStation. Yeah, for probably yeah. for 15 years. I'm so, I'm sorry for you Gen Yers and Millennials. I know you're probably rolling <laughs> over in your your modern graves, but um, it, they just bore me. Did you but have I high score like... on Pac-Man? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, would, I used to like playing Medal of Honor. Okay. So probably, so probably uh, Call of Duty. That'd probably be similar to Medal of Honor. Are you Googling Medal of Honor? No, I'm arguing with Dylan. Um, Dylan's uh-huh. asked me if I rate uh, Dixon higher than Lynch, than Tom Lynch from Gold Coast. Oh, yes, I do right now. Oh. Certainly, right now, absolutely. Um, well, that, that's a that's a stupid question, Dylan, because she's been pumping up Dixon last th- two three weeks, and 
She's just bagged <laughs> out on Lynch, so of course she's got to go with that one. Uh, Dylan's asked another question. If Lynch was in our team, would he be equally useful? No, I don't think he would. Yes, he would. No. I mean, if, if he was there in addition to... Like, if we were adding an extra key forward into our side, then that's good. I think that's useful. And if they're an AFL ready one, but that's a whole bunch of those across the league. Um, so, yes, he would be if we could just add him to our list and then play him. Yeah, but if he's replacing Dixon, God, no. I'd rather have Dixon. No, no, no. He has to be complimenting Dixon, not replacing yeah, Dixon. Yeah, that's right. And that's what, my, I suppose, sort of my criticism for him, which is I think that he'll be a more consistently good forward if he does have that support in the forward line. Um, and for me, like, Dixon is doing well without a lot of support in the forward line. He's having a good crack. Um, he's only getting low numbers of goals, but he's used for the side and his uh, contribution to attacks really enormous. So um, I'm, I'm still very pro Dixon. Um, there's a bunch of forwards I probably want in our side ahead of Tom Lynch from Gold Coast if we're going to pick from other teams. Um, mm. I think if you could pick one key forward for our side from all 18 teams, um, like you could pick one from Carlton and say, okay, that's the guy, one from Adelaide, and that's the guy. I reckon that the Gold Coast guy in Tom Lynch would probably be about 15 or 16 on my list. Well, you already answered that on Thursday when you said you'd take Adelaide Lynch. I would take Adelaide Tom Lynch, yeah. I think he'd be an excellent, excellent compliment for Dixon because he's not just a, like a second-tier forward. He, he's, he's Chad Corns-ish, really, as a forward. Um, really good. Let's make, a, let's make a play for him. Can you add that to your open letter to the coaches? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll send you 50 cents and maybe you'll come over. <laughs> mm. We could all put to chip in as supporters. But I reckon if we raised 100 bucks, we might be good to go. I think it might take a bit more than that. I don't know. Damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, and look, I mean, this is really a bit of a week of no one played really too badly. Uh, do you think there's anyone else really worthy of singling out for individual mention, Rick, that you thought played really uh, well? We probably didn't talk about Tom Jonas No, too we didn't. Much. Why, don't you, why don't you wax lyrically about Tom Jonas? Uh, well... I love his elbows. I think he used them really well. He hasn't really used them as much this year. Um, you know, but against West Coast last year, I thought he was fantastic. But no, look, honestly, he's yeah, I was pretty ropeable with him last year. I thought as a leader, he let us down, and um, um, he, you know, he in performance and also through um, through suspension. Uh, but this year, he's looking fit. Uh, he's really stepping up to the plate. He's he's reliable, which is what we sort of grew to knew in 2014, especially. Uh, and he's big. Like, I saw him in the change rooms against Brio, and he's a big boy. Like you know, even though he's, what, he's done 191 centimeters or something, mm. he is a very he's a very solid unit oh, for an AFL chunk, player. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, he's a chunky, solid player. So um, yeah, and I mean, you, I know you don't rate Lynch, but the commentators do. And uh, I mean, to keep him goalless with minimal disposals and being undersized, he did a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And what about your favourite defender in Jack Homsch? How did you find Jack's game? I'm not, I'm not on the Homsch wagon. I'm, 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 I'm falling. I think, I kind of feel like Clurie's taken the spot that he could play, and I think that when you have Dan Houston in the side as well, then you don't need Homsch at all, which I guess mm. in a way is kind of good. Like from a coaching perspective, it's like, oh, okay, so that means if Homsch does hurt himself again, then we can immediately replace him. Fantastic. That's not, there's not a lot to complain about about that, really. Um, so that's all right. That's good um, mm. to know that we can have depth in defence. We don't want to get caught out again. I think we mentioned a couple of weeks ago the 2002-2003 years when we lost Paco and um, Daryl Wakelin to various incidents just before finals and completely screwed with our defence. 
yeah. you know, we've got we've got plug and play back there right now. So I, I mean, I guess that's an asset. And you know, when you're the top defense in the league statistically, just in terms of points scored against, like we've got a sixty point lead on the the next best defense in the league right now. It's absolutely obscene. Um, so, you know, we are, you have to say that even though we do have a lot of defenders on our list, we're getting a lot of use from it. So, there you mm. go. Mm. So, would you like to see some bold and creative trading this year if we can do it? I know we've got a lot of uncontracted players, um, but, you know, would you, you know, Jackson's a restricted free agent. I know Jasper's a free agent, but, you know, you could probably still get a deal done or you'll get a compensation pick, maybe. Uh, end of first round or something maybe for Jasper or you know would you like us to see churn some of those older players that have been on the list for quite some time and see what we get so those younger ones can come through what would you like to see at the end of this year the biggest return you're going to get on players is not the ones that are getting a bit old and you sort of go oh it'll hurt but it's okay if you go because the value is low in a free agency market you know um, it's a guy like a Jack Hompt who has got some excellent form behind him, but he's 24. Like that's the, that's if you're an opposition team, that's the sort of player if you're going to trade for a defender, that's the sort of player you want to trade for. Not you don't ideally want to trade for Jackson Trengove unless you're making the premiership and you think he's a missing link or something. Um, but if you're just like one of the you know 17 other teams out there that are like, oh look, we could shore up our defence with a bit of a level head and a bit of talent and a good overhead mark. Like that's the sort of trade that if you're going to trade to get back into the draft at a high level, like that's the sort of thing you've got to be thinking about and that's the sort of thing that play, that fans don't like hearing at all because it's always a young guy and they go, oh, I think he can be a lot, I think he's got a lot of upside, but of course he does because if he didn't have upside, clubs wouldn't want him and they wouldn't trade much for him. Um, mm. So that's kind of, I don't want us to do big risky trades, I just want us to do sensible ones like we did back under Rob Snowden with um, specifically, again, I'll quote my favourite trade, which was when we traded out Barnaby French. Because we knew we had Brogan coming through, you know, um, that's the sort of thing. So yeah, maybe we'll lose a, a, a keyish defender this year in trade, and we're going, oh, he's young, he could be a lot of things, and he could, but we might get something more useful to us right now, or more importantly, we might get something that more effectively addresses a long-term issue for the club, um, in the form of maybe a key forward in the draft or something like that. So uh, yeah, I, I think that if you're talking about, oh, we'll hit the trade table hard, we'll trade Pittard or Trengo. Like, that's not hitting it hard. That's sort of, nah. And we, won't get, we wouldn't get much if they did move on. Quite frankly, their value to us is higher just to stay on our list and be there and playing in decent form. So, Well, I guess we, we do want to look at some clever list management, though, because we've got, um, you know, Dougal that's probably ready and prime to play some games soon or he'll probably walk and... And Billy Frampton and uh, Logan Austin—they're you know—they're well, all coming through. All big players that, like you said, we pro- yeah. yeah, that we need to, you know. Well, well, Dougal can play forward though as well, can't he? I thought he was yeah, a good forward when he played AFL. He was all right, um, but I think he's got more long-term potential as a defender if he can, um, just yeah. because of his, you know, old things like his build and he's—he's uh, he's got a good work rate, and that's what you need. You know, you got to have yeah. the right height, the good level head, and a good work rate, and that's what the big defenders need these days, kind of. Um, so but you're we, right, that's where we've got the depth. And so if we're going to do a trade to say we're going to get back in the first round, like that's going to be where it comes from. has to be, really. So. Yeah. I just thought, I know you love talking about it, so I just wanted to bring it up. No, not really. I've said it. There's nothing else to say. <laughs> I'm just going to keep asking you then. <laughs> Great. That's really thrilling for everyone, I'm sure. So um, you, you know you have to, you'll have to fill in for me for a couple of Mondays shortly. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I can do I can do next week, but not the next two after that. 
that that seems like a discussion we could have after the podcast rather than having to do it during it, Rick. But oh sure. shit! Are we are we still on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're still on the podcast. Sorry. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Are we are we having a random topic tonight? Look, I mean, if, if, yeah, why not? We've talked. We have actually talked mostly about football, apart from the discussion is, about VB and is, stuff. Well, is the have, does the chat room have a random topic for us to quickly? Um, uh, for us to talk about why we think of one football-related topic to give them time to uh, come up with an answer. But I do want to bring up Jarman Impey. I thought Jarman Impey's game was fantastic. We sort of glossed over him a yeah. little bit, but um, he did a lot of gut-running, high-pressure work that doesn't necessarily get picked up in stats, And uh, but it's that perceived pressure through his speed um, that really put pressure on Gold Coast quite a number of times. And uh, I thought Brendan Archie sort of got a bit of kudos for the defensive pressure when I don't think he did as much and it was really Jarman Impey um, that was uh, really putting on that defensive pressure the whole game. And, boy, he's a fast kid and uh, and he, when he does get the ball, he does use it relatively well and he's exciting. I find him exciting, especially for a minimal impact player. He uh, He's a very exciting player. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess that we'll, we'll point to that terrible... This management decision last year to give Jake Need two years. Like, you know, MP is doing exactly what we needed Jake Need to do, which is kicking goals and being accountable. Um, and we've got replacements mm. everywhere else on the ground for anything else he was doing, pretty much. So, yeah, that was a bad one, giving him a two year contract. But there you go. But, Such but Jake Need's a good bloke. He's a good bloke. He's a great bloke. I've got no doubt whatsoever, but we don't need him. Uh, here's a question from the Spreaker chat Dylan has asked Terminator 1 or Terminator 2? Oh, come on, Dylan, something better than that. I know, it's uh, so easy. It's got to be Terminator 2. What about, what about Terminator 1 versus Aliens 1? I haven't watched the Aliens ones because they're too horrary for me and I have nightmares. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> Here's one for you. Um, which is your favourite Rambo? Really? Come on, these are lame questions. Oh, come I've on, only watched I want any question, oh. I want any answer. Because if it's anything other than one, then you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've only I've only watched one. Yeah, and well, um, I'd prefer to watch Tropic Thunder than Rambo. Oh, okay. Tropic Thunder was a great movie. Well, what about Hellraiser from the nineteen eighties? I don't watch or the, or the scary movie House from the nineteen eighties. I haven't even heard of that second one. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> you, you need to you need to look up House. House nah, was a. Uh, it was supposed. To, yeah, it was it was a really pathetic, scary movie, yeah. and I think the catchline catchline for House was "Ding dong, you're dead" from the you know with the doorbell. But uh, yeah, but Hellraiser was a a really scary movie. We've got a couple of comments from the Springer chat. Dylan has said that Terminator One is clearly better than Terminator Two because Terminator Two had an annoying kid in it. Um, I don't know. My best friend in high school was obsessed with John Connor and wanted to be exactly him. So I don't know. That kind of influenced my view on it. And also, it just was newer, you know. Um, it probably comes down to your age group. And if you look back at any of them now, they're all kind of there. Um, Pommy Power reckons Aliens is the best movie ever. And uh, he preferred First Blood to any further Rambo films. And he's mentioned Hellraiser from the one. So, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Hellraiser was a good, graphically gore, scary movie. It's uh, Pinhead was a very, very intimidating creature. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, I guess we're at the the point now. We have hit the yes. hour mark, I think, so we can just we're, sort of we're wrap waffling. up a little bit. Yeah, we've hit the we waffle. Can. 
Look at the waffle. Look, I mean, this is what I'm really proud about, Rick, is that we managed to hit the waffle without even having a rundown this week. That's pretty impressive. I think we've done well. Well, I did about <laughs> as much preparation this week as I do every week. Well, maybe that's the secret. You know, maybe you should just run all the podcasts. <laughs> if I had time, I'd definitely give it a go. Yeah. I do I do love doing them. And, I'll, Dylan, I'm going to actually have a play. I'm going to get the login details for Spreaker. And there is a – it looks like you can do the uh, – the radio via your phone now. The oh, interface you is yeah. on your phone. There's an app, yeah. So, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm going to have a play with the app and, and maybe uh, I might randomly do a solo Rick crazy I hour. I think the issue with that is that if, yeah, if you're doing a solo, I think you can do it through there, but you can't have people calling in because I think that requires Skype and I don't think the two apps interact. That's but right. Can, maybe but, we... if just, but if you're the only one talking, you'd be fine. Yeah. I might struggle to talk by myself for an hour, but I can give it a go. Yeah, all right, cool. The crazy Rick hour. Oh, okay, we just had a look. We'll just quickly um, um, just be proud of ourselves. We just had Tommy Power say, good show. Dylan said, extremely good. So, on that note, I mean, I guess we just say, can the power. Can the power. Can port. Can port. And Prison Break was on tonight. Shit, let's go. I forgot about that. Uh, all right, have fun. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> See ya away by Michael at ground level. Here's a chance for Stevens. Stevens goes high and long towards the goal square. Two and two. Bergwijn almost brought it down. Here's James. He's had a marvellous game. He puts him in front. Brilliant goal. What a classic.